Beginner's call. This is your beginner's call. Will all show beginners please make their way to the studio? Tonight's performance of Overstudies is about to begin. Today's episode is less about a studio and more about a lighthouse. Ooh, that's different. It is different. Tell me more. Today we are going into a brand new show that we saw. Not a musical for once as well, although there was some singing, called Wikis. Yes, this was very different to anything that we've kind of talked about on the show before. Yeah, it was. So this was a PR press event that we were invited to. So we will get that disclaimer out of the way. First of all, we were gifted tickets to this production. But as always on Overstudies, our thoughts and our views will be 100% the real deal. Yes, I think we've got quite a few to talk about quite a few thoughts yeah quite a few thoughts on this one so wikis is based on the true story of the lighthouse keepers who went missing on a remote scottish island over 100 years ago yeah so this is a festive thriller by way of association i think yeah in that it happened over christmas (laughs) not even over christmas it happened during december it happened at some point in the festive season <laughs> but it was a i i quite enjoyed it actually like something a, a bit different um so this was on at the park theater or still is on at the park theater and you can go and see it and we'll give full details later on in the pod thank you to uh, the team there who invited us along where should we start well this is the question where do we start well first of all we should welcome everybody back to another episode of overstudies yes we should do that and we should introduce ourselves. We should. My name is Charlie. I'm Becky. We are the Overstudies. We are. We bring chaos to the stage. And to your earbuds. Yes. Or your speakers. <laughs> or wherever you're listening to us. Yes. If you want to get in touch with us, you can head over to our website, overstudies.co.uk. There's a cheeky little contact form on there. Oh, you're milking the contact form this week. Yeah, I thought I'd mixed up. Well, yeah, you can use that contact form. What else can they do, though, if they don't want to use the contact form? You can also email us, stage at overstudies.co.uk. You can indeed. And you can find us on social media. So we are at Overstudies blog on Instagram and we're at Overstudies on Twitter. Send us a tweet, drop us a DM, you know, we love to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. And we love you taking the time to listen to this podcast as well. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and listening in. It really does mean the world to us. It does. It really does. Right then, let's set the scene. It's a dark and stormy night in the North Sea. Um, Not in the North Sea, the other one. English Channel. Is it still the English Channel that far up? In the Outer Hebrides. We'll go with that one. Well, that that is where it is set. That's as close as we're going to (laughs) get. Uninhabited Scottish islands. uh, Very perilous and risky in the late 1900s, but on a very important shipping channel to get across to America and beyond the the new world, as it was called. Yes. So we are transported to a very, very lonely lighthouse that's inhabited by three men. Three men. Yes. There is the lighthouse keeper, the lighthouse keeper's second, and the occasional who's come along to step in for the one who is unavailable. Uh, These three men, James Ducat, Thomas Marshall and William MacArthur, had all taken up a post on a rather desolate and perhaps slightly mysterious island called Aylan Moor. Yes. So this island and this lighthouse, a relatively new lighthouse, had already got quite a reputation of being a bit of a a spooky and haunted place. Spooky and haunted. Tell me more. 
Yeah. So there was um, tales of kind of um, horrors that bestowed this island and um, the curse that some people thought uh, kind of haunted the rocks there. Yeah. So we get kind of told all of this as we go into the show and we'll as we kind of delve into that, we'll, we'll have a look at some of these little bits of the true story, but we are not a murder mystery crime thriller podcast. There's plenty of those on Spotify. So we're going to focus on the show rather than the mystery, but you can't have one without the other in this instance. Yes. And I think mystery is definitely a key part of this show. Um, I think even for us going into it, we'd kind of, I'd purposefully kind of avoided looking up the true story knowing that it was based on a true story because i wanted to be taken by surprise but i think you 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 always you're a transport nerd you know these things as always i kind of i didn't know much about this story but i was aware of kind of the 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 top level stuff of the lighthouse keepers who went missing so once again it wasn't a complete surprise going into it because i just know useless random bits of information like this we need to just take you to a show that's got nothing to do with any form of transport and yeah we, well, we, tr- we tried that with I, hamilton I and say. you didn't like it so <laughs> maybe say. not <laughs> we did we went to hamilton that i'd avoided and i hated it so you didn't hate it no i didn't hate it but i didn't love it <laughs> that said uh going off on a brief tangent because it wouldn't be over to this if i didn't um i have actually much to your surprise voted it as best west end show yeah I am shocked. Shooketh. Of the list on offer, it, it is. Shooketh. I mean, I wasn't going to choose Lame Is, which I hated. And I wasn't going to choose Phantom, which what, I hate. What about Back to the Future? I didn't love it. Okay, fair. I thought Hamilton was better than Back to the Future. Interesting. Mm. Can't wait to do the Back to the Future episode. No, that'll be coming soon. <laughs> anyway, back to <laughs> back to 1900. Back to, back to brief, what we're talking yes, about. <laughs> brief, uh, brief diversion. My diversion ends. That's another transport show. To get nice. another show that I like. Right. So we're on this island with these lighthouse keepers. And the stage is very kind of nice, actually. The nice setting. But right from the start, we're kind of really playing on the idea of the supernatural and the spooky. Yeah. I had no idea what the set was going to look like, I think, for this show. I was expecting, like, in my head, picturing, like, rocks and just a very rocky stage, but the show actually takes place within the lighthouse itself. So we are very much kind of centering that as the scene of all events. Yeah. There's not really kind of much in the way of set for kind of the external area of the lighthouse. And I think that in itself is quite clever because it adds a level of kind of claustrophobia to what these three men by nature of trade would experience, you know, kind of been stuck on a lighthouse for six months at a time. If we can do Charlie's set corner at the start of the show for a change rather than at the end. Yeah, let's mix it up. I think it would just help to set the scene a little bit. I really adored the set design. I actually think it was one of my favourite bits of the show and how it fitted in with the narrative as well. I thought it was really strong and really quite clever. So we've got a central kind of three-sided stage at the Park Theatre in their larger of the two venues there. And this stage is set in, in the communal area of the kitchen of the lighthouse. You know, there's a table and some chairs, a sink, uh, cupboards, all that kind of thing. All the usual sort of stuff you'd expect with a door on one side, which is sort of the focal in and out. And then also a ladder that kind of 
takes you up to a higher level and is used to be a storeroom, to be elsewhere in the lighthouse. And then to the right-hand side of this upper level as well, you've just then got a singular desk, which is used as the study for one of kind of the main, not even the study, the bed set, I suppose, for one of the main characters. And then coming into this as well, there's also two access points that come in by the audience, which is also where the audience come into their seats. And these are also used to really quite good and quite clever effects throughout the show to have the characters kind of come out of nowhere almost. Yeah, it really does surround you, does this production. Yeah. And I think that adds, like I say, to the claustrophobia and the the thrilling kind of suspense of the tale, really. So as we've mentioned, Island Moor is a completely uninhabited island aside from this lighthouse and today is completely uninhabited. And there is no one else on the island except for these three men and they would spend most of their time in the lighthouse that's where their duties are they must keep the light uh, alight i was gonna say they must keep the flame alight and they must make sure that you know everything is is there because the lighthouse has got a very important job of making sure that boats ships etc don't crash yeah because this is a very treacherous body of water um and very like i mean the running kind of joke throughout the show is that there's always a storm there's yeah. always a storm brewing regardless of what the weather's like there will be a storm yeah and you know that's why especially most of the time it is spent in the lighthouse because you can't go outside for fear of like being injured yeah completely and this is then a really good kind of space to show what it's like with three people who are living and working together 24-7 and how that can sometimes lead to tensions rising, how, you know, you have to actually be able to get on with the people that you're around because if you don't, then bad things could happen. Yeah, and I think we definitely see a very interesting character study of each of the three men throughout the show and how they handle isolation, how they handle you know, kind of being in these close quarters with these men that, for the most part, they don't know each other very well either. You know, it's it's just incredibly interesting study of kind of human nature, I think. Yeah, and I think for me, that was one of the strongest parts of this show was less the kind of the mystery part, but more the study of humanity and more the, the people. I thought the characterization of each of the three men and then also the other roles that the three men play. So there's only three performers, each one has a primary role and then throughout the out the show will play other people who are relevant to the show with a kind of a bit of an aside. So the lights would dim on the main set and then there would just be a single spotlight on them when they were playing with their other roles and they might put on a different coat or have a slightly different prop when they were doing that side of the show. And we kind of flip between the present and... Oh, I was going to say the present and the present then. I realised that made no sense at all. We flip between the events of what happened or what what is thought to have happened to the three men on the lighthouse but then we also flip back and forth and see it partially through the eyes of those who have discovered an empty lighthouse and those who have turned up after the events have happened and these kind of themes run parallel throughout the play yeah i really enjoyed kind of like the split timeline of events um and kind of being fed half a story um and kind of going in knowing that these these men have already disappeared that's where the show starts but then kind of heading you start at the end and then go to the beginning then you're back at the end and it's just very 
it jumps around a lot, but it was never in a way that I couldn't follow what was going on. I think it was very clear what stage in the narrative we were at at all times. Yeah, completely. And that really kind of helped to add to some of the suspense at times as well. You know, you you knew that these three people had gone missing, which was also, to be honest, quite obvious just from the promo and the the, the advertising of the show. You know, it's a mystery. There's going to be something afoot. But like all good mysteries, you are kind of left a little bit suspenseful about what happens. And this is where we get delivered the themes of the supernatural, the themes of folklore, the themes of actually sea is just quite a treacherous place to be. And even the most experienced and knowledgeable of sea people, because I don't want to say the word everyone would have expected <laughs> me to say there. Is, Keep it PG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is you you can be taken unawares, you can be caught off guard. And you know, we'll never know what happened to these three men but is there a logical explanation or is there something more sinister afoot and this is what the show really plays on the whole way through because i'm not going to spoil the ending you do find out what we think has happened to these men but you never actually know for sure no and i think that's the exciting thing is that you have all this suspense built up throughout the show but you still feel the suspense even when you're told what we think has happened yeah and again let's remember this was over 100 years ago so there aren't the same level of technology there isn't the same certainty there weren't the same um abilities to do things like weather forecasts and stuff even communication no phones so the only way of doing this was by light signals by semaphore uh, which is a type of communication using flags. Yes, I know semaphore. This should not be a surprise to anyone. And all of this together makes for a really interesting kind of production. So if we re- rewind back to kind of the beginning, our three replacement people, so not our three main characters, our three other characters have arrived at this island to find that the flame has gone out. The light is not a light. This it should not happen. Yeah. And the thing is, this has happened for 10 days, I think, at this point. The light has been out, we've established. The light hasn't been seen for 10 days. Yes. It's not known exactly how far, but this is not an unusual occurrence necessarily. Yes. Because the, the storms and the fog can sometimes mean that you can't see the light from the mainland, but you would be able to see it from the sea. Yes. But not being able to see the light for that length of time is what causes the concerns i think from the relief that are coming to take over the roles yeah and one of the relief rose ashore and as he gets ashore and this is incorporated into the play but is also taken from the actual diaries and the actual words used by the the real characters as he steps off the boat and onto the island there's a sense of foreboding Oh, I love that word. It's one of my favourite words. It's a very strong word. Yeah, but this should really set the scene now to the audience of of what's happening. Something is not right. Something has gone badly wrong here. And as we get up to the lighthouse and into the room, two of the three oilskins type of water jacket, water jacket, raincoat, there we go, <laughs> Um, a type of raincoat are still in the kitchen. Which is not something you would usually do when there's a, a storm afoot. <laughs> no, 
why would you go out without a coat unless exactly. you're from the north? I mean, even I'm debating wearing a coat when I leave the house at the moment. So fair. It's from there that we then explore the room and find that yeah, the lighthouse is completely deserted, no one around, and all evidence points that there's been no one around for two or three days. Yeah, so there's food on the table, half eaten, the chairs are kind of askew. It, for all intents and purposes, seems like someone has disappeared mid-action and mm. just vanished into thin air. And then from there, that is where we snap from the end of the events back to the beginning. And the way that this scene change is done is just one single chair, which is propped up against a table, suddenly falls onto all four legs. So simple, but so effective. Like, just... It could have quite easily been so like complex and make a big deal. No, the chair just goes back and we're back. We're back to the beginning. Yeah. And in come our wikis. Yeah. So we get to meet the three men. Yep. Who are two of the men have been there for quite a, quite a few weeks at this point. They all arrive together. Yeah. But two of them are very experienced professional lighthouse keepers. That's their full time job. That's the that's the words I'm looking for. And the third one is an occasional. Yes. Except he's not even an occasional. He's done it once before on a very different place. And he was a last minute replacement for another regular lighthouse person who, for whatever reason, was unable to make it to the island. Yes. So we get to get to meet our characters and meet our men that have gone missing and just really learn about their lives up until this point, really. Yeah, you know, most of them come from a family background. Some of them have got lots of experience as lighthouse keepers. Some of them have less experience, but even are occasional. You know, they're a fisherman. They're known as a very well-known, very highly regarded fisherman. Knows their stuff. Experience. Should have no problem being somewhere by the sea. And is also eager to learn. Like, very eager to learn. Yeah, even if he doesn't read the handbook back to front straight away. He, you, I'm still waiting for you to read the podcasting handbook back to front straight away. Yeah, don't, don't lose any sleep over that. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, the only reason the occasional starts reading the handbook is because he can't sleep. Yeah, because straight away, the second is Thomas MacArthur is starting to spread some tales to unsettle the newbie. Yes, so there is a very eerie ghost story um that is associated with this island and tells the tale of the first family that lived on the lighthouse because this is not a family lighthouse is it no many lighthouses would be run by a family you'd have the husband and the wife and the wife would be the husband second and they'd breed their kids but Aylan Moore originally had a family as their first one but the bleakness the mystery it's not a family lighthouse anymore no, because sadly we have a tragic tale from that first family, which is the ghost story um, that is shared between the men. Yeah, and you know we don't want to give everything away, so we won't kind of go into too much detail, but a tragic ending comes to this family. And as a result, they no longer work at the lighthouse. And as I say, quite a tragic ending. Not all of them survive. No. It's quite a sad tale. Yeah. And those who do survive move back to the mainland, don't do lighthouse keepering anymore. And those who do not are said, maybe, to haunt the island. Yes. This is where the ghost stories really come into play. And the 
suspense definitely builds quite rapidly from here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's talk of weird things happening. There's talk of an unsettling nature. There's talk of people hearing the whispering or seeing perhaps one of these figures who is no longer with us. Yes. And when you think about the setting of this lighthouse, where it is very foggy, very mysterious, you know, you've been struggling to sleep for a few days, you're going to start to see things. You're going to start to imagine that you're not alone. Was it the wind? Was it a voice? We will never know. Was it the shadows? Was it a person? We'll never know. We never will. And this kind of starts to develop further because we hear stories of other lighthouses, other men who things have happened, things have broken out, fights have occurred, people have died. Yes, I think we get to really see a quite interesting side to the lives of lighthouse keepers and wikis. Um, we get to learn that, you know, it, it the isolation and just being living on top of someone else, essentially, for weeks at a time with no other contact can really start to make tensions kind of bubble over a little bit arguments break out tensions are so high that people clash and we get to kind of find out some of that in quite graphic detail yeah definitely like this is and and to be fair this is a show that is very well described when it comes to the themes that are explored you know there's lots of notices around the theater it's all on the website so top marks that but we do get quite a graphic recollection a recounting of a clash between two lighthouse keepers on another island where one of them didn't survive yeah so you would you would think that you know this is quite a it's a dangerous job but it's uh maybe it doesn't have quite higher mortality rate as it actually turns out to do yeah i mean i think Let's just say this for now. If you and me were wikis on the same lighthouse, oh, one of us would die. Uh, I, I would, I'd be off. I'd last about 12 hours and be like, no, I'm going, see you. I'd actually be great. I love my own company. Yeah, I know. I might just, that might be your birthday present. I'll just get you a lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> Stick you on a lighthouse somewhere and see what happens. <laughs> Fair. I don't probably Stick be- a webcam in. It'd make a great TV show. <laughs> Overstudies the... Uh, <laughs> Overstudies the, the, the TV blo- show. <laughs> We'll start doing YouTube next. Yeah, it's like Survivor, but Survivor studies. I don't know where that was going. Just, was stick, just like... stick, stick you on an island with the uh, <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen soundtrack, and you'd be sorted. <laughs> you'd be fine. You'd have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> so our occasional, our younger of the lighthouse keepers, is getting quite concerned about some of this and wondering: Is this the light life for him? You know, he's very excited to be learning a new trade and to be doing something a bit different, but. Is getting unsettled. You know, he's got a wife and kids at home. Yeah. And the endless nights of lack of sleep and the ticking cogs of the lighthouse that keep the light turning really start to get to him. And he's, he's, he's quite an anxious man. He is. And this is not helped by the stories that Thomas Marshall is telling William MacArthur because they are designed to scare. But Karma is a thing. And eventually, these noises, these thoughts, these idea that there might well be someone else on this island starts to get to Thomas Marshall as well. 
Yes. So there's some mysteries with, I think it's the chickens. Yeah. At one point, the chickens are going missing. Mm. There's birds falling from the sky. There's shadows outside. Um, there's all quite a lot of spooky goings on. There are. And I think at this point as well, we should go back to the storms. And we should mention that, as we've said, this is island is known for storms. And the light wasn't seen for 10 days. Except the weather forecast on the mainland. There were no storms. It was calm. It was no fog, no mist. Yet the logbooks from the island very clearly say that there were big waves and there were storms and the seas were not calm. So was this a storm just on the island? We will never know. We will never know indeed. But it's all these little details here. And they're all fed to us in the narrative, in the play. Very one at a time, but also overlapping, but also in such a way that you are kind of wondering, is this part of the mystery or is this just, you know, weather? Because we've had it before where I've been at home and you've been at home and we live about 15 miles apart and we've had completely different like climates. Yeah. So it's not unknown for weather to be different, you know, either side of on the mainland and an island. But nonetheless, it does make you think. Yeah, makes you wonder what actually was uh, causing the storms. Yeah, and this kind of carries on throughout the show and we also then start to get more of an insight into the background of the first of the primary lighthouse keeper, principal keeper, James Ducat. Yes, has a very, very long history in the trade. Very experienced, known for being very experienced. And it turns out, experience with Aylan Moore. Yeah. So turns out um he was involved in the building of the lighthouse was actually supposed to be the first family to go into the yeah. lighthouse. James is an expert in this particular type of apparatus and this is why he's ended up on the island as a relief is because he needed to cover the post because no one else had that knowledge. But yeah, it was originally meant to be the first instead of that poor family who came to quite a tragic end yeah and i think that's quite an interesting addition to his character i think there's a lot going on in his kind of psych about that he's a very reserved and quite stoic individual who is very knowledgeable but keeps himself to himself has been doing this a long time and doesn't come across as someone who worries about things and who gets worked up and is quite good with the isolation. But as the play goes on, we realise maybe that isn't the case. And maybe he's just actually trying to get through every day like everyone else. Yes, I think that's a good point about these three men is that they all have different methods of coping. Mm. So we see all manners of coping mechanisms and... I think James, his coping mechanism is put it in a box and ignore it. It's that stoicism. It's yeah. that kind of stiff upper lip of we must keep calm and carry on. Whereas, you know, and the, the logbook tells us that on the flip side, William MacArthur III, the, the occasional, was crying at one point. And this is a very seasoned fisherman, seasoned mariner, knows his stuff. Why, why would he be crying about a storm? How bad was the storm? That is the question. This is the thing. We don't, we just don't know. James 
right at the start of the show tells us he's given up on religion and doesn't believe in praying anymore. There's an abandoned chapel on the island that is, you know, falling into ruin. So why were all three men praying at the end? Why is the logbook saying that we prayed together? These mysteries, they just keep unfolding. They do. And there is a magical part of the show. And I, I do say magical. You wouldn't agree with magical, but I would agree with magical because this is the bit that you were a bit like, oh, where we're in darkness, complete darkness. And William is going out searching with a lamp to find something. Who knows what during the storm? Well, he's looking for the chickens, isn't it? Yeah, it's those chickens yeah. causing problems. And this—it's just this one piercing light piercing through the audience, and you just don't really see anything else other than this light. And it's from a theatre-like staging point of view, it's fantastic. And we go across the whole stage, we sweep across the whole audience, looking for the chickens, and then the chickens appear. And then something else appears. Yeah. And someone in the audience literally screamed, and I'm shocked it wasn't you. I am surprised that... uh, To say it's a bit of a jump scare, it's not as bad a jump scare as I thought it could have been. I was preparing for worse. I think it's the best way that I can describe it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. It's It's not as jump scary as like The Woman in Black, for instance, but it is still kind of quite unexpected as to what exactly is going to be there but before you know it it's gone yeah what was there a figure there or wasn't there again part of the mystery we will never know and throughout all of this like i say we are jumping back and forth between then the party that discover the tragedy the mystery the goings-on that have happened here we hear from the senior people in the lighthouse service i suppose the management as they are finding out more about what's happened and reporting back and relaying some of these tales some of it we've seen play out of what we think happened some of it is based on what is found and what is read from these logbooks yes and this just continues to kind of unravel and eventually we kind of get an idea of what could have happened but jumping back and forth quite a lot still between what we see playing out on the stage and what the reports are from the rest of of the crew. So we learn that away from the lighthouse on the island, various ropes are not where they should be. Yes. Have they been used? Has the storm ravaged them? We again come back to the fact that why were these men not wearing their oil skins? Yes, very important to say that it was quite a stormy, stormy week yeah. that they were having. And ultimately, why was the logbook a few days out of date, yet the light had been seen when there wasn't always an entry? We will never know what happened. We will never know what happened at all. And we do finish the show then with a summation of what is likely to have happened. But we still don't know if that is what happened. Were the men washed away by unusual waves, unusually high killer waves? Were they abducted by pirates? You know, 1900s, there was piracy was all the rage and not the sort of going and stealing from a DVD. You know, you wouldn't steal a car, you wouldn't steal a, <laughs> a mobile phone, but you might sail 
in a big ship and land on an island and take hostages away? Was it something more supernatural? Did people rise from the dead or were there spirits or, you know, did people cross to the other side? Was it aliens? All of these things and more have been put forwards of what happened to the wikis of Aelin Moore. And let's not forget, there was an unmarked grave on the island. So the supernatural, who knows what could happen? Was it the chickens? I'm going to blame the chickens. The chickens were causing havoc. The vegetarian would say that. Well, they were causing havoc. They (laughs) they made me jump. (laughs) (laughs) This was a very nice little thriller. Very different to something that I think I would usually go and see. Yeah. We're going to kind of leave our, I think, summary of kind of what happened on the show there because we've gone through all of it without giving too much away. But yeah, definitely not something, I mean, something I might have gone to a seat, but wouldn't have been necessarily like top of my list. I must go and see this. And whilst certainly not the best thing I've ever seen on the stage, it was a very enjoyable evening. It wasn't bad by any means. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Park Theatre. I think it's a beautiful little space and it was really nice to see something in the main theatre space there. It was really nice to see kind of a a production there that really did utilise the space that it was given very, very well. It is a very small stage space, but you felt, you did feel kind of the depth of location that you kind of needed to you felt like you were literally on a on a lighthouse kind of stranded and separated from the rest of the world in quite a great way actually completely the set design really really helped with that i think as well because you got that sense of claustrophobia yet also when it was the daytime you got the sense of what a vast task it was to keep a lighthouse running safely and ensuring that that light never goes out Yes. And I think lighting plays a key part in this, actually. Mm. I was really impressed by just the subtle differences in lighting intensity, but also color that was used. I think there's a really clever way of using the color in the lighting to really communicate, you know, that passage of time, kind of creating as well the uncertainty and making you feel quite unsettled as you learnt more about this story, you know, there was a lot of kind of yellow hues, but then green hues and switching to the green in such a small space. It is quite a creepy feeling. It's it's not scary, but it's not a comfortable lighting choice. And I just thought it was very, very clever kind of doing that without kind of being too over the top and being, you know, jump scares galore it was very subtle in how it made you unsettled yeah this is definitely a thriller rather than a horror yeah and the emphasis is very much on the mystery rather than on kind of like i almost want to say cheap shocks like sometimes jump scares can be overdone like they're not always necessary i love a good thriller and i do like a good jump scare but they're not for everyone and sometimes they're overdone or sometimes they're inserted just to say, oh, here's a jump scare without kind of having any reason for it. And I think the one time when it did get close to that level of jump scare, I actually really liked that. I thought that was really cleverly done because it was very unexpected, but it really put you in the mindset of what the wikis would have been seeing and feeling, which is that 
you are look you're out there looking for something in the pitch black with this one little lamp and you think you see something but then by the time you look back it's gone so was it ever there was it your imagination or not and i think that's that's the sort of jump scare that's done for the right reasons and in the right way yeah i mean i get stressed out when i'm walking down the street and it's brightly lit and i think i've seen something that i haven't seen so kind of having the literal it's pitch black and this is your only source of light really it made me quite uncomfortable but like in a enjoyable way if that makes sense like it wasn't bad uncomfortable this was an enjoyable experience all all around I think and definitely something that I'm really pleased we went to go and see it was the right sort of show for just a kind of wintry Monday evening where it was a bit chilly just in real life and you know go and warm up and have a bit of chilly theater to go with it yes yeah it's definitely that is definitely the best way to describe it I think this is the perfect time of year for a show like this and I would actually quite like to see it on a bigger kind of a bigger scale as well I think there's quite a lot of potential for this to go beyond Christmas time I could see this in one of like the bigger theaters and and kind of have a, a longer running so who knows what the future will hold this is its world debut a brand new show one thing we haven't mentioned that I will just mention quickly as well I really liked how the scene changes were just done with sea shanties you know they'd sing songs as would have been done by the wikis as one of the things to keep them occupied. And that was what kept them going. I did actually want to touch on this, but I got distracted by the scene changes using lighting instead. <laughs> the sea shanties. I thought this was actually one of my favorite parts of the show. I think it's a really great way of, you know, kind of doing that transitions between scenes, between events, between days. Um, but also I thought it was an interesting way of showing that these three men were from quite different backgrounds, despite being in the same trade. You know, we had someone who was quite a laddish drunk, essentially. We had someone who was a very kind of paternal figure. He reminded me of my granddad, like a, a Yorkshire he was from Scotland, but like a Yorkshire granddad who keeps himself to himself, sits back, observes, doesn't kind of get involved. And then we had kind of a very nervous family kind of man. All three, the same trade, very different kind of experiences with life and backgrounds. But the one thing that they could relate to each other by was the sea shanties. That was like their universal language. And no matter how much they didn't actually get on, that was their one connecting force that was kind of like, no matter who we are, we're part of the same team, we're part of the same family. And I just thought it was a really nice way of using those kind of folk songs and sea shanties and really bringing it to life. I was just disappointed that we didn't get Wellowen remix for Bows. I was half expecting Parting Glass to come out, you know, I'm not yeah. going to lie. <laughs> I mean, it does have much debated Irish or Scottish roots. Let's not start that debate tonight. <laughs> so Wikis is running at the Park Theatre until the 31st of December. There are shows pretty much every day except Christmas Day and Boxing Day. There's evening shows, there's matinees. Check the Park website to find out which ones suit you. 
yes, there's also a couple of access performances. So there's a captioned performance on the 16th of December, audio described performance on the 21st of December, a touch tour on the 21st of December as well. So lots of nice access opening the show up to more people. All the information is available on the Park Theatre website. I thought this was really nice. I'm not flawed. It's not like knocking me over incredible. It's just really nice. Like, and that's a a huge compliment, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I agree. It's not changed my life, but it's it was a nice different thing to see. It was yeah, just something that was a bit out of my comfort zone, but wasn't kind of because I don't go for horrors. This isn't a secret. No. And I think the distinction that this is a thriller, not a horror, is really kind of key here. But it was kind of just, yeah, a bit different. Bit of a change of pace, I think, is the best best way for me to describe it for me. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. That, I think, sums up all of our views on Wiki's The Vanishing Men of Island Moor. That's it for this week. Yeah. It's been it's been a different different vibe all around. Yeah, something a little bit different to almost finish off season one of Overstudies. <gasps> Drum roll. I mean Yeah. The mic's probably not even picked that up, but <laughs> I'll put it in I'll edit we'll it in post. This was a really nice kind of Christmas hair, like, as we said actually. Like it's not Christmassy at all, but it is the nice sort of thing that you want kind of in the winter. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes or give us any feedback or anything like that, search Overstudies wherever you get your podcasts. Head over to our website, overstudies.co.uk. We've got all of our previous podcasts and radio shows there. And you can also go and find our feedback form that Becky normally likes to push, but I've stolen her thunder this week. It's a contact form, not a feedback form, but feed- feedback is much appreciated. It's the same difference. You can also email us stage at overstudies.co.uk. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter at Overstudies and Instagram at Overstudies blog. Drop us a tweet, drop us a DM. We will reply at some point. (laughs) As I say, we've got one more episode left coming next week for season one of the Overstudies podcast. I am really excited for this. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'm really excited for it. It's going to be a really nice way to round off what has been quite a remarkable few months, actually intense few months as well yeah definitely (laughs) we're gonna be taking a little christmas break and a little new year break as well we'll be back next year but we will mention more on that nearer the time but if you are not already subscribed to our social media absolutely make sure you do that now so that you can keep up to us and of course be the first to know when overstudy season two is going to be dropping yes we will we won't keep you waiting for that long no but we are going to be taking a christmas break yeah So tune in again next time for our final episode of season one. But other than that, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, it really does mean a lot to us. It really, really does. Otherwise, if you don't listen, we're just two friends recording our very random conversations that we have about theatre. So the more you join in, the more fun we have. So get in touch. Let us know. Absolutely do. I have been Charlie. I'm Becky. We are the Overstudies and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.